Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Refreshing by Pastor Sean Wood. If you've got your Bibles, slowly make your way to Acts chapter 3. As I begin, I'll just pray before we come around God's Word. Father, this morning as we assemble, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the truth that is in your Word. Today we desire to see more of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just declare that Firstly, we acknowledge that you are here. Yes, God. And secondly, we welcome you. Yes. And thirdly, our heart is to make room for you this morning. Yes. That you would do your work in our hearts, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, for those that have made their way to Acts chapter 3, at uh, the beginning of this year, uh, we determined to get back into our Exodus series, and we will do very shortly. But uh, this year, I just wanted to unpack what is on my heart for this church. And, and I have a vision for a church that is full of the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ. A little bit more about that as we move along. Uh, and so we've been unpacking that. And what does that look like? I have a vision for mature Christians, a vision of uh, men and women of God growing in their knowledge of Christ, growing together and also impacting the world around us. And a little bit more about that today. For those that have been with us as we've journeyed through uh, the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts, way back in Acts chapter 1, we realised that uh, leading up to Pentecost, that God had been doing a huge work of preparation and positioning amongst the disciples. We find ourselves in the upper room with 120 ordinary people. They weren't super religious folk. They weren't super learned uh, religious kind of guys. All those guys had rejected Jesus, well, most of them anyway. We find 120 ordinary people, and that should encourage us this morning, because everybody in this room is extraordinary, right? You're allowed to say amen. And I'm glad Steve highlighted the fact that pastors will be in heaven, just in case there was any conjecture about that. Last week, we looked at Pentecost, and Pentecost really for us is the birth of the church, but we asked ourselves the question, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? And for me, it's not about paraphernalia, and it's not about a phenomenon, and it's not about programs. It's about the introduction of the divine presence in each and every one of our lives, and the promise of a new power. Today, as we begin to look at Acts chapter 3, I was reminded as I was preparing of the 12 spies that went into the promised land. And uh, what I love about this story is, uh, so often... Many of us and church life can become like the 10 spies. We, we continuously focus on what we don't have. Uh, what I love about the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, what I love about these two guys is they saw all the same things the other 10 did, but they had a little bit of a different perspective. You see, the 12 spies went into the promised land to scout out the land. And when they come back to give a report, 10 of them said, look, there's a lot of blessing in the land. Uh, It's a land flowing with milk and honey and there's fruit. And and often we think the promised land pictures for us, you know, eating, uh, drinking Mai Tais and eating mangoes on the beach somewhere. But that's not what actually happened. These guys had to fight to possess the land when they got there. And the 10 come back and they say, you know what? It's a wonderful land. There's a lot of blessing, but there's big cities there. And they're well fortified. 
and the sons of Anak are there for the for those that want to look up what that meant. There's some big dudes hanging around in that place. And all they could see were the challenges that were set before them. But Joshua and Caleb said, you know what? We've been there too. We've seen all the cities. We've seen the fortifications. We've seen the sons of Anak as well. But we can go up and overcome it, says Joshua. Why? Because they realised they had something else. God. This morning, before we go any further, I've, I've asked this question before and I want to ask it again. What do we have? I have a vision for a church that's like Joshua and Caleb. You know, just like those 12 spies, just like the people of Israel, we're facing many challenges in church life today. Uh, If you listen for too long to the news, uh, the church is slowly, according to the world, the church is becoming irrelevant. Nobody wants to hear the voice of the church anymore. People are posting statistics on a weekly basis about how many people are leaving the church. But this morning, can I offer a different perspective like those two spies? We have a great God. We have an awesome God. And whatever the challenges that lie before the church, I see great blessing for the future of the church. But the question, I'm always challenged when I read Acts chapter 3. But the question that comes to us from Acts chapter 3 today is, what do we have? Let's begin in Acts chapter 3 and see where God leads us this morning. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John, remember last week we we covered chapter 2 which is Pentecost. Uh, Peter gets up. A lot of people are confused about what's going on. What does all this mean? And, And so Peter gets up and I love what Peter does. When there's confusion and people are wondering what's going on, Peter goes straight to scripture. And last week we learned that pour out your spirit becomes past tense. Fill me with your spirit becomes present tense. And being filled with the Spirit means to be under the control and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 1, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. And there was a man lame from birth who was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those that were entering the temple. Let's pause for a moment before we go any further. Let's begin to ask some questions of scripture and maybe the answers can help us to understand. First of all, who is this man? We don't know his name. We don't know who his parents were. We don't know what his level of faith or belief is at this point in time. Here's what we know. He was lame from birth. We know that they lay him at the gates of the temple every day. And I'm not sure whether we've picked up on it yet, but he goes home every day in the same condition that he arrived. And he was placed on the steps of the temple. This is an indictment against first century religiosity, that a man would be on the steps of the temple and go home in the same condition that he does each and every day. We're going to get there in a moment, but how many people know you could put a million dollars in that man's collection plate that day, he goes home the same. He still goes home lame, right? Well, for a moment, is it too much of a stretch for us to ponder for a moment how many spiritually lame people we have all around us? How many people are right on the doorstep and the steps of this? How many people are on the doorstep of your workplace?
I have a vision for a church. I have a vision of believers that never leave people the same way you find them. That we would live, when Jesus says you shall be salt, salt makes people thirsty. Does the life you live make the people around you thirsty? This is an indictment on first century religiosity, but this is what religion does, right? Religion will bring you to the steps of the temple every day and take you home in the same condition that you arrived. Religion will take you to the banks of the Jordan River, even allow you to dip your toe in the waters, but you'll you'll be able to see the promised land, but never cross. You are never transformed. The condition is never altered. Religion promises you a lot, but delivers you nothing. Just recently, uh, I had a conversation with somebody that said, you know what, I, I... I don't like religion, I'm not very religious. And I said, praise God, I'm not religious either. (laughs) Because religion leaves people on the steps of the temple in the same condition, day after day after day. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms and, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. I love this. Peter said, I have no silver or gold. Friends, for the spiritually lame, if I can be so bold this morning, they don't need any more programs. What the world out there needs, here's here's what pastoral ministry gives you a front seat for. You You get to see the level and the intensity of some of the lameness that arrests people. We have a power that can not only raise the physically lame, but there is a power that is inside of us. We'll get to that in a moment. There is a power that rests inside of each one of us that is promised to each one of us that can arrest the spiritual condition of the men and women outside these doors. And programs and religiosity, and it doesn't matter how many flash programs we have, it doesn't matter what we call them, it doesn't matter how much money we throw at it, but it goes deeper than that, right? Have a look at what's going on in Australia right now for a moment. Let's step outside. Have a look at what's going on in Alice Springs. Friends, can I tell you something? Alcohol is not the problem in Alice Springs. That's not what the problem is. Alcohol is exacerbating the problems. There is a deep heart problem amongst the people of Alice Springs. Can I tell you that the problem amongst our youth is not that we need to put them in jail longer. I'm not saying we remove the consequences. But with all the youth crime that's going on, we don't remove the consequences, but putting them in jail longer just teaches them to be better criminals. I was in welfare with kids that are like this, but have a look at what they're doing. Every one of these kids are committing crimes and posting it all over social media. Why? Because they want people to give them attention, whether it's negative or not. There is a deep-seated issue that goes deeper than the surface. And throwing money at the problem isn't going to fix it anymore. What this nation needs, what our young people need, what Alice Springs needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It's time for us to say silver and gold, I no longer have. There's some wonderful programs out there. I'm not saying we should stop all our programs, but what we should be asking ourselves the question is, what do we have? Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That lame man that had been laid at the temple gates day after day after day after day, Peter didn't put any money in his tray. They didn't give him any money. They gave him something that transformed his life. It was the power of Jesus. That day, that man met Jesus. In a minute, we're just going to read through his reaction. Friends, I tell you, you can never question when somebody encounters Christ, we're going to see that there is a reaction that happens inside and it bubbles up on the outside. But what does Peter say? Uh, Silver and gold, have I none? I can tell you of of an American preacher that stood up and said, silver and gold, have I plenty? And he did. But he was lacking something else. I have a vision for a church that operates in the power of the Holy Spirit, yeah? Yes. We've been given a power to witness to the, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what chapter 1 taught us, right? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. Not to have a Holy Ghost festival, bless me club, where you pile some goosebumps on top of your goosebumps. This isn't about a bless me club. This is about the power of God impacting the church so that the church can impact the community with the power of God, right? I don't know if anybody else has been following it, but I'm enormously encouraged at what's going on around the globe. Anybody else seen what's going on at Asbury Chapel right now? Yeah, yeah amen. Amen. And I, I've been watching some of the live feeds of what's going on. And there are people on their knees at the front repenting. I'm all for people doing carpet time. I'm all for the Holy Spirit. But, but apart from the people at the front, everybody else has got their hands raised worshipping God. That, that is revival. Back in the 1970s, for those that were here, Bill, uh, back in the 1970s, you look like a guy that survived the 70s. <laughs> what do they say? If you can remember the 70s, you did it wrong. But, but back in the 1970s at Asbury Chapel, there was a revival that started then. And it started with this. One young person walked from the back to the front and grabbed the microphone and said, I feel like I need to confess my sin and repent. And that young man confessed about how he had been coming to church for 12 months, but sleeping with his girlfriend. Before he put the microphone down, there was a line of young people. I need to confess. I need to confess. That's when you know the Holy Spirit's moving. When the presence of God, uh, in, in the Old Testament, we read about the glory of the Lord filled Solomon's temple. The glory, uh, in the Hebrew, it speaks of a weight. It speaks of the manifest presence. And when the, when the weight of his presence comes to bear on us, our sin rises to the surface, friends. It is a cleansing fire presence. A bit more about that as we move on this morning. What do we have, friends? We have a world in need. We have spiritually lame people everywhere we go. But I have some good news this morning. We have a God and a gospel of power. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what does Peter say? I love this in the name of Jesus. I want to cover this off this morning. Uh, we're going to see Peter's got some other words to say after this, which are very important for what we want to look at today. But we need to cover off this in the name of Jesus. What's going on here? Because the scripture tells us we can pray in the name of Jesus. Uh, scripture tells us that we operate in the name of Jesus. And it's not just a number of words that we say. It meant a lot more in the first century. Let me give you an idea of what that meant. If, if in the first century, the Roman Caesar said to me, a servant, go to such and such a village and arrest Bill. 
Not unbelievable, right? <laughs> not, not too far-fetched this morning. <laughs> Kate's nodding. <laughs> we do marriage counselling on Tuesday, guys, so if you want to... <laughs> I would go to that village as the servant, and when I got to that village, you know, I've got no power within myself, I've got no authority within myself, I have no dominion within myself, but I would go to that village and I would say, in the name of Caesar, I'm here to arrest you, Bill. And what I am actually saying to Bill is, with all of the authority and with all of the power and with all of the dominion of the higher authority, the king, I come to arrest you. But if the Caesar, here's the real good part, if Caesar had sent me to a remote village to arrest Bill as his servant, he would have given me some documentation. Signed with his name at the bottom. And so what I want to say this morning is that we operate in the name and in the power and in the dominion and in the authority of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're here to enforce what he has written in his document. You can pray for whatever you want in the name of Jesus as long as it's in this document. That's what he meant, according to my will. Now, if I went to that remote village and he said to arrest Bill... But I thought, you know what? I don't mind, Bill. I'm going to leave him alone. I'm going to arrest Terry. (laughs) Everybody believe that part. (laughs) The documentation would say, Bill, I'd have no authority to arrest Terry, right? What Peter is saying to this layman on the steps of the temple, in the name of the King of Kings, in the name of the Lord of Lords, in the name of the king and who there is no name above him, in his name, in his authority, and in his power, I tell you to get up and walk. That is the mandate of the church today, to lay hold of the power, authority, and dominion of Christ and enforce what he has placed in his document in this earth. There are testimonies after testimonies after testimonies over the last 2,000 years of church history of people who dared to step out on the documentation of the king and transform their communities. Peter said, I I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I love a word that's coming up here. I believe the word that's coming up is a word for this morning and and he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. He's had to know when you encountered Jesus and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And for those that are joining us in the Gospel of John, we're going to continuously see that wonder and amazement never cause or instigate faith. It just causes wonder and amazement. Verse 11, I love what Peter's going to say here in a moment. While he clung to Peter and John... All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, 
Why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? What's Peter saying? Why are you looking at us? Why is all your attention on us? We're just the servants, remember? The king has just sent us... Why do you think it was in our power or our piety? And what I love about that is what Peter is highlighting is this isn't something we have manufactured. This isn't something that we have created. We haven't made this happen. We haven't formed a program. We haven't cracked the algebraic code for revival. Peter says none of that has happened here. What has happened is Peter has not created this. He has received it. So how... How do we do that? How is it that we can receive this as well? I'm glad you're asking really good questions this morning. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus and And Peter goes on to speak, but down at verse 17, he says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Here's the message to everybody that's standing around. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19. I love this verse. I think it's a verse for today. I think it's a verse for the church. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Why? The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When I read that verse, if we're honest with ourselves, come on for a moment. Sometimes the Christian walk looks like and feels like you're walking through the desert, right? We feel parched. We feel dry. I spoke about this last week. Sometimes all we need is rain, right? Uh, This word refreshing speaks of a... uh, Imagine being out of breath. Uh, Imagine running so hard. Remember when you used to run away from the police, Bill? Uh, remember I can (laughs) I don't see any other point for running to be honest Uh, but, but imagine being so out of breath this refreshing is like somebody giving you breath ah finally I can breathe again you know sometimes our greatest need is just to stand under the rain of heaven, right? Sometimes our greatest need is just to taste of the waters of the living world. This morning, I want to make that opportunity. I don't want to talk for long and everybody said, Amen, Pastor. I want to make an opportunity for everybody in this room to come out and say, you know what? Lord, I need refreshing. And that may happen in your seat. You may want to come out the front. Uh, I remember a couple of things as I wrap up this morning. I, I, I remember when I was in Tasmania fishing, my stepfather had quite a large boat and we would go out off the shore fishing. But on the way, we would drop 
pots for crayfish. And Tasmania has really strict laws about crayfish size and numbers. Laws my stepfather decided to disregard on a regular basis. However, quite often the water police would pull up to have a look at what's going on. And often that looked like, you know what, I'm just going to pull up alongside your vessel. And they would just have a chat to you. What are you doing? How's things going? How many pots you got on? Okay, yep, no worries. See you later. But then from a tip-off one day, that search went a little bit deeper. And the water police pulled up and said, we're going to come on board and we're going to let down the curtains because there was crayfish rolled up in the curtains and we're going to have a look in all the wells and we're going to have a look underneath the seats and... What resulted was somebody lost their boat for six months and got an enormous amount of fines. But you know what? Sometimes we can be like that. Come on, let's be honest for a moment. Sometimes we have hurts that we roll up into the curtains, right? Sometimes we have those little pet sins that we ignore, but we've got them underneath the hatches, right? And we wonder why we can't go any further and we can't go any deeper and we can, we can see what we want and we want to go deeper, but what we need to do is let God come on board and roll down the curtains. For those that read the Narnia series, anybody ever read the Narnia series by C.S. Lewis? Deeply profound series. One of those books is called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And there's a, there's a moment in one of those books, I've spoken about this before, it's a profound moment. There's a a grotty, grubby little boy by the name of Eustace, for those that have read. And Eustace gets turned from a boy into a dragon. And for those that know the story, he comes to uh, this huge pool and he knows that before he gets into the pool, he's got to take off that dragon skin. He knows that he can't go any further with this dragon skin on. And as the story goes on, it it pictures Eustace trying to pick off these scales one by one and and it hurts and it hurts, but but as soon as he picks one off, another one grows. And next to him is Aslan, the lion, who is a great picture of Christ. And in a moment, Eustace knows exactly what he needs to do, that he needs to submit to Aslan. Only Aslan can take off those scales. Only Aslan can deal with that outer layer. And as he submits to Aslan, the first cut is deep and it hurts. But Aslan unravels the dragon skin and throws Eustace into that pool and he becomes a boy again. And many of us are just like Eustace, hey? sitting on the edge of that pool, longing to be able to go in. Maybe today, our greatest need is to submit and surrender to Christ. Let him do his work in your heart and in your life. There's people in this room that have held hurts for far too long. There's people in this room that have clung to bitterness and unforgiveness for far too long. There's people that have allowed the enemy to draw divides in relationships. There's people here that have pushed sins under the carpet. I want to offer you the opportunity 
this morning to do what Peter did. He called everybody to repent. Come and submit to Christ and allow him to do his work in your heart. And this morning, I want to encourage you. That may mean you just do business with God in your seat. That may mean that you want to come out the front and and just worship and whatever that looks like. And maybe you need prayer this morning. We want to make that space this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back up. I'm going to ask Mark to shoot out and get Steve. And it's going to finish in prayer. Father, this morning as we worship, Lord, I pray that you would step aboard the vessel of every one of our lives, Lord. The psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Father, I pray for those that have carried burdens, hurts, for far too long that today would be the day that you would cut that away, Lord. I pray that today would be an opportunity for refreshing. I pray that as we continue in worship, that Holy Spirit, the greatest heart surgeon in the universe, that you would come and do your work. We pray, refresh us, Lord. As we stand here in your presence, we ask ourselves, what do we have? We have the greatest God in the universe. You are glorious. You are worthy of all the praise. And so, Lord, we have everything because we have you. Fill us and refresh us is my prayer today as we worship. In your wonderful name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.